Are you ready to invest in yourself today? Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. Where investment leader Billy Epperhart teaches you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 8.18, Remember the Lord, your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. At Wealth Builders, our goal is to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Now, let's join Billy Epperhart. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Epperhart. And this podcast is meant to empower you with practical ways to make a kingdom impact. And of course, the theme that we use is making sense of making money for making a difference. And we want to do this in the podcast all in about 15 minutes. And so really, we like to see you learn and us learn together on this journey uh, where we combine faith and finances. So your Christian faith with finances for a balanced and fruitful life. And as a matter of fact, if you want to use notes, you can go to wealthbuilders.org. That's the wealthbuilders is one word, dot org, front slash shop, and you'll be able to get a download. You can download the notes for this podcast. So just want to encourage you to do that, wealthbuilders.org, front slash shop, and you're able to get the notes. Now today, I'm going to take a minute to kind of talk about where we are in the stock market. And uh, I'm going to answer some questions that have come in from different people. And I want to encourage you to continue to really send in your questions so that we can uh, address them and kind of talk about where you were. So recently, I did a podcast which caused some of these questions to come in where I talked about that really I believe that we are in an everything bubble. And I'm, I mentioned the fact, because I'm going to address some of the questions here, that uh, the, the actual S&P 500 right now is trading at about 50 times earnings. And we call that earnings per share. And what the uh, really median earnings that we look for in what we would call a correctly valued stock market, uh, and this is across, of course, all 500 stocks in the S&P, you're going to have some higher and some lower, that typically that average is about 15 times earnings. And so when we look at uh, 15 times earnings, right now the current stock market is about 50 times earnings, somewhere between the low 40s to 50. Right now I think it's hovering around 50. And uh, if we're not careful, it it really gets overvalued. But then we also talked about the Buffett indicator, and I was referring to some graphs that I don't have on today's podcast, but with the Buffett indicator, we have never been this high in history right? As far as the Buffett indicator. And the Buffett indicator basically is taking the entire stock market and the value per share of that entire stock market and dividing that by the gross domestic product. This is primarily here in the U.S. And we want to welcome our listeners from other Western nations, as well as Africa, uh, India, and of course, Asia. Thank you all for listening. But I say this because right now, with the Buffett indicator, we are literally in a bubble. Now, one of the things that I want to say that I haven't addressed too much here on this podcast is, you know, there are programs out there like Robinhood that gives access. In fact, I mentioned this in another podcast, but Robinhood's basically their 
tagline is we want to democratize finance for all, which they have. And that's a good thing in the sense that everyone can have access to the market. Problem is, is that the market doesn't treat everybody the same. It does as far as going up and down, but people who don't have a knowledge of when to basically cut their losers and let their winners run or that don't understand the overall macro economic environment that we currently find ourselves in. So one of the things I have said, and I'm going to answer the questions, is I believe that we are now edging to a historical everything bubble. And so to kind of stay on point here, I want to answer Cheryl sent a question and she said, hello, I listened to your podcast yesterday and you said that the inherent value of a stock is about 15 times its earnings and that for some companies, it can be more depending on the history of that company, but the overall stock market is about 15 times earnings. And she said, how do I calculate that? So you basically calculate earnings per share. You do that by basically taking the company's profit or for example, its annual earnings, right? its annual earnings, and you divide it by the number of outstanding shares of its common stock. So let me say it one more time. You take a company's annual profit or their annual earnings, for example, and then you divide that by the number of shares uh, that are outstanding, outstanding shares in its stock. And so the resulting number basically lets you know, and so the Average, when we look at the S&P 500, has historically been 15 times, and basically right now it's 50 times. So it's usually 1.5. Right now it's 5.0, 50 times. So that's telling me that it's getting a little bit overheated. And then there was kind of a combination of questions if I went with what Cheryl asked, and she was asking me questions like, is it based on total annual dividends or on the amount of the dividend per share or something else? It's based on its annual earnings. In other words, its annual profit, okay? And then you divide that by the number of outstanding shares. You can do it today. Go back and, you know, get whatever the most up-to-date profit would be and extrapolate that for the year. Divide it by the share cost and, and you actually will come up with a good guideline for how many times earnings that the share is actually trading at. And then she says, also, you suggested selling 50% of stocks and holding them as cash, where you think in 50% of the shares of each stock are just selling outright. So what I want to say to you about this, because Albert sent in some questions that I want to read, Larry, several others. I have a whole group here. And so thank you for your questions. Continue to do that. Larry said, thank you, Billy. My struggle has been what to do about it. For those of us with 401ks, maybe the move is to money market or bond funds to protect the balance for a year or two. And, and actually, the best way to do it is it depends on what percentage of your assets that you currently have exposed or invested in the stock market. So a lot of people, and when I say the stock market, I'm talking about shares of stock of some sort or ETFs, exchange-traded funds, which if you've listened to me long, you know that's one of my favorite ways that I like to invest. And sometimes when markets start trading sideways for longer periods of time, which we have not been in since about 1980, but before 1980, if you go back into about the mid-60s all the way up to about 1978, almost 1980, the market really traded sideways. You say, what does that mean, Billy? That means that uh, if we take the S&P 500 as the index that we use, 
it means that it didn't really, really increase. There was really no real net increase in value. And that was almost 18 years. So it went almost from the early 60s all the way to the late 70s, early 80s, right at about 80, 81, somewhere in there, 78, 79, 80, 81. And then the market started heading up from there. And so we've been in this uptrend in the stock market for a long time. Now, why did I get off on that? Because I like ETFs, generally speaking, exchange-traded funds. If we ever get into a sideways trading market, then I'll go back to looking at individual stocks. So the question is, what should we do if we think the stock market's going to go down? Well, the first thing is just change your exposure, uh, basically, where you reduce your exposure to stocks. So for some of you, if you're listening and you're 100% of your portfolio is, is in some type of, of stock exchange-traded fund or mutual funds, what I would do is begin to reduce my position uh, down to about 50%. That means you would sell some of those positions. It's better to sell your losers right now than it is your gainers. If you're in a retirement account, then you won't have to worry about taxes, but for the time being, right? But if you're not in a retirement account, then you probably want to reduce your exposure just based on the losers so you don't have any real serious tax consequences, depending on how much you have invested. Then the flip side of that is, is that if the market really starts going down, and remember, if we continue to use the S&P 500 as a gauge, usually the, the market does not go the maximum that it goes up and down typically historically in any single day is about 2%. Now, on an average day, it's uh, you know way less than that. But we're talking about like real swings where there's real indicators. So if you hear the market's going down 2% in one day, you need to watch it. And then my, my view always is if the market has gotten down where it's down around 5% down, then I'm usually decreasing my exposure uh, in the market. Doesn't mean I get completely out, but I go from 100% to about 50%. And then if we're going to go long term where we really get into what I'm calling an everything bubble. Uh, you can usually uh, leave about 25% in the market. Now, let me say this about this. If you're younger and you're listening to me record this podcast, you can ride up, you can ride out the ups and downs. So the problem that many young people don't know is we've been in some downs. For example, in 1999, nobody thought we were in a bubble, and that was called the internet bubble. And then in 2007, nobody thought the bull market was going to end in 2007. Nobody thought the bull market was going to end in 1999, but in both cases, they went down quite dramatically. Uh, as you, you know, I've, I've actually covered some of those in the graphs that you can get if you call and get the notes. And so you can see those, how drastically that the markets went down. So then I only have a couple of minutes here. So let me just give you some stuff and then I'll come back to some of this in other podcasts. Other alternatives that you can invest in is you can just go, for example, when you're reducing your exposure, you can just keep your money in cash or you can go to cash equivalents like, for example, a money market fund. They'll pay you, you know, very small levels of interest, you know, a half a percent or something, depending on where you're at. Some cases I actually happen to be in some money markets right now. They're kind of real specialized that are paying about 2%, which, by the way, is very high for a money market. But you can also uh, go to CDs. You can go to short-term treasuries. For some of you that uh, want to put some of your money in bonds, 
Besides treasuries, you can go to a diversified bond fund, uh, like an ETF, like AGG, or you can check out BND. And so if you're going to go, some of the long-term treasuries are like TLT. And right now, I would go more to short-term treasuries, um, more than likely. I'm going to give you one other portfolio real quick. But also, you can, you know, those of you that are in Western nations, and even other nations, Eastern nations, where you have an opportunity to buy farmland, because I know I have people who listen who have larger portfolios. They want to really diversify. You get into something like income-producing farmland. Okay, that's real important. Or if you have positive cash flow real estate. The good news about positive cash flow real estate, the rents hold up in a down, in a down market. The typically, the only time that rents go down is in a depressionary type macro environment, not recessionary. Recessionary, usually rents stay strong, and in some cases, they actually go up. The value of real estate sometimes will go down in a strong recession, but the actual income on the real estate won't. And most of the time, that's true with farmland because you're investing both in real estate and really in a commodity. Now, uh, the other thing that I'll tell you is, so basically, if you're going to say, Billy, what I go into, the other one would be gold and silver or some other type of precious metal. I I use gold and silver and I buy the physical metal. Now, I'm going to talk about another way to do it, I think, before I'm done here. So you can look at going into some type of short-term treasuries. Those are like two-year treasury bills, or you can go to something even more liquid such as uh, CDs and money market funds, or you can just go to cash. You can also uh, farmland, gold and silver. And when I say go to it, I don't mean put all of your money in there. You want to keep some cash, but you can take some of the money that you had of that 50%. Then if the market really goes down some more, then you take another where you go down to 25% of exposure in the market. And usually you can ride it out there. Now, some people will go will come completely out of the market. Uh, I typically don't, but some people do. They go completely out. Now, here is a long-term, and this has been around for years, the Harry Brown permanent portfolio is basically 25% stocks, 50% bonds, and that's a combination of long-term bonds, like long-term would be the ETF TLT, uh, short-term would be BIL for the treasury bonds, and then they, he usually goes to a 25% in what we call commodities, which would include precious metals. So you could go to the ETF GLD or to one. There are several uh, ETNs that trade commodities, not just ETFs. One of those is DJP. And you could go to those. And so basically, you have 25% in stocks, 50% in a mix of treasury bills, and 25% in gold and DJP. So. Those are things because you're asking these questions. Now, I have some other questions, but I'm out of time, and I may come back and address some of these questions as well in another podcast. Keep sending your questions in, and what I'll try my best to do is answer every question that comes in over, give me a period of time, but I'll try to make sure they stay relevant. So, hey, thanks for listening to this podcast, and I know this, look, guys, I know this is a lot of information, and I apologize for hitting you with a whole lot, but I just want to say, Go to the Wealth Builders with the Wealth Builders podcast and subscribe, like, follow. And remember, we're on all kinds of platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google. And then if you want more information and get some free blogs that we actually, in writing that we do, you can go to wealthbuilders.org. And if you want to submit your questions, 
remember to go to info at wealthbuilders.org and I'll do my best to make sure I get to them uh, here on the podcast. So, hey, thanks for listening and I'll see you right back here. Bye-bye. We hope you learned something of lasting value today from this Wealth Builders podcast. If you'd like any tools, teachings, or resources mentioned in the podcast, you'll find them online at wealthbuilders.org. Wealth Builders exist to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. The Wealth Builders podcast is produced by Celine Williams with music by Audio Jungle and narration by Greg Hunter. Wealth Builders is a nonprofit organization. We depend on your donations to keep this podcast running. Please consider donating to us on wealthbuilders.org.